0: I would like to speak about work and, and undivided, unseparated perception or attention. One of the things which I uh, no- notice and you probably have too, is the increase in specialisation of activities concerned with work. (coughs) And when we think about our daily life we often have as a priority of thinking about the work which we are doing or will do or can do so work comes to be Given in the hierarchy of human activities, often the very top place, the consideration. Then, when we think about our work or work in the future, we then observe that we can specialize in a particular Field. And we go from, at times, not knowing what work to do, or not knowing if one wants c- to continue the work that one is doing, <coughs> to perhaps settling for something and focusing upon that. Quite often we feel quite ill-prepared, untrained We don't feel that we have the correct body of knowledge or we have an inadequate body of knowledge And then we have to go about accumulating the knowledge, the information and then to enter into a particular area Of interest. Sometimes we're not really interested in that activity, that work or that training, but the truth of the matter is we can't think of anything else better to do. So we might as well do this because it's (coughs) got to do something. Sometimes we enter into a particular field and we see that that interest that we have we go from the general to the specialisation and we begin to concentrate our mind we begin to accumulate the information and the knowledge for that which we are specialising in and it's becoming so some fields are becoming so specialised that it goes from the general to the particular. The classic, of course, is medicine and law and education and so on and so forth. Psychology, of course. so So we take an interest in something. It would appear that no matter how much knowledge and information we accumulate, the amount that we know compared with what we don't know is a tiny, tiny, tiny percent. So small is the percent that we don't have figures small enough to reach it. 0.00, carry on with your O's. And we are expected of ourselves to have enough knowledge to persuade other people that the very little we know is nearly as much as they, the little they know. And this becomes the value system. The value system then has to fit in with this, with a system which is Significantly hierarchical. Those who know a little are at the bottom. Those who know more are further up. And those who appear to know a lot are further up still. And this is based on the ability to specialise the ability to accumulate a great deal of information and to absorb it and relate it. But no matter how far one has moved up the hierarchy of the scale of knowledge, still the predominant will be knowing little, not knowing a great deal, and one will be living in this relationship of how little one knows, and the endeavour to move further up the line. And this becomes work, and this work and this way of relating to it becomes our mode of existence. The difficulty with this is that frequently those who have the fewest qualifications or the littlest knowledge, receive the smallest pay, and that's the breeding ground for resentment. The people who are working their way up the ladder receive the pressure from those who are beneath, the pressure from those who are above, and the spectrum of activity one finds oneself, as it were, trapped in it, somewhere along the line bottom, middle or top so potent is this order and and dimension in life that it not only affects the people who are absorbed into it but Equally, those who are not part of that system feel and are equally affected by it. Because all too often there is the view inside one ought to be in that system. One ought to be part of it. One ought to be accumulating knowledge With the purpose of finding a place in the hierarchy. It's an interesting thing, in a way, I speak if I may from my. small degree of experience uh, in these matters the idea of being qualified is a fallacious it's a deceitful uh, idea because qualification frequently means the ability for knowledge and to pass examinations gives qualification. And I wonder, during the days here, to what degree there has been at times concern, preoccupation (coughs) about work, either in its presence, or in its absence, or related to the future. How much of that pattern is moving inside? with all the feeling and the associations, particularly for security, particularly for achievement, that accompanies it. So if I just, may I just say for a moment, uh, on the personal here, that some, and I am one of those, uh Didn't have what one would call uh, a significant education. That I had the um, privilege, in a way, of leaving school at the age of uh, 15, (coughs) and had the kind of education, since I took so little interest in it, that. My definition of a physicist was a person who put bubbles into water. And one is engaged, in this case myself, in a work, in an activity where the idea of qualification seems quite out of order with what the work is all about. And how come that one can have the uh, honour and privilege of working with people in the totality of the person's existence and all the Emotional, psychological, physical, spiritual, existential, social issues which concern a human being, working with them at all of those levels, and never undergone a systematic relationship to the acquisition of knowledge. How come that person like myself and others not only weren't given any systematic approach in terms of information and concepts and knowledge, but in fact were very actively discouraged from it. That in the monastery where I spent the first three years of my monk's uh, life, and the period of time in which I engaged in uh, non-stop meditation work, that to actually show a book near the teacher, Ajahn Damodaro, was the equivalent of waving the red flag in front of the bull's nose. Mm. He refused to allow monks to study. He refused to allow monks to learn Abhidharma, that is some of the texts, and had no appetite nor interest in giving support to that, to such a degree that he he was... Um a kind of monk, and perhaps that reflects his own rural farming background, where he would actually state again and again that all of that was an active um, mechanism of avoidance or escape to be living in the world of books and acquisition of information. So how come, that with all of that, (coughs) the understanding of processes, shall we say, hasn't been through acquisition, but through some other means, which gives and provides another kind of authority, another kind of uh, understanding, another kind of wisdom, So sometimes it can appear, it might appear to the state with its laws and its rules and its regulations, quite unacceptable to be engaged in the work with others, the inquiry with others, the counselling of others, the cooperation with others and the realities of their lie and have no training for it whatsoever no qualification for it in the accepted sense whatsoever mm. nobody's saying this is how you do it this is what you have to do this is the answer to this so I wonder with us whether whether It's quite necessary for us to actually look at, very honestly and directly, the relationships we have to work and to knowledge. And to be quite fearless about it. Let us take two types of uh, person who may be in this room here. In fact, I know they are, so there's no problem to... There's no might about it. One type of person will say, at the present time, I am not working. To which I will say, hallelujah. And... (laughs) (laughs) This... may be okay as so far as it goes, provided no way. that the relationship to, that, the, that there is a clarity about that. That clarity about that is, is one free from a situation that in the statement I am not working, that there is security in that statement. That the heart inwardly, deeply, can say of oneself, I am not working and I am clear and secure in my statement. To show to ourselves whether or not we are identified with the structure and the concept of work as the major priority of life. Which it is most certainly not. If we are clear in ourself and we are not working, it doesn't mean to say in any way that not working is not living is not being an aware human being, is not making a statement about life, is not being a conscious human being. So in our statement about ourselves, which says, I am not working, I do not have a career, I am not in the progress of the hierarchy, I'm not involved in helping, serving others, I am not earning a salary, Or each time we make a statement, a factual one, about ourselves, that I'm not working and I'm not preparing myself for work, that can easily, that string of negatives, can easily, through repetition inside, through social values outside, can leave one with a feeling of, I am not good enough I am not ready I am uh, insecure and a stream of negative views about oneself can emerge from a simple statement I am not working and I am not studying One has it too And I have mentioned previously in these days here with this. And has it to very much with their political leaders, who I think in many areas, and this is one of them, simply do not look into life at all. Completely, I think in many areas, out of touch with life. And one illustration of that to me frequently is the the relationship to work. That what obsesses pathologically the mind of politicians and this influences is how many people are in work and how many people are out of work. When the number of people who are out of work increases then the priority of the politicians to for re, as a factor for re-election, it's a very small factor, is to get as many people into work as possible. What is so brutal about that, I think, and so unthinking about it, is no consideration for the quality of work, no consideration for the sensitivities of the kind of activities suitable for a human being, just get them into work doesn't matter how soul-destroying and life-destroying and heart-destroying and sensitivity-destroying it is, just get them into work. So think, if one can, in a system, in a society which gives pathetically minimal support in European societies towards those who are out of work, can keep faith with that then perhaps some other way of living in the world can be discovered with all the risks that go with it in which one is clear inside of oneself that work is not the centre of life. It is not the centre of life. My father, and not untypical of, I'm sure, many of our parents (coughs) here, who died at the beginning of last year, when he was 65, which was five years before he died, he retired, as the society forces men and women to do. And at the age of 65, His comment in the last weeks of his working life was, to me, I am now useless and I have been thrown on the trash heap of society. That was his view. So when the mind is geared itself as many of his generation, and equally and perhaps even more obsessively our generation, has obsessed itself with the idea of work as the reason to be. Then there will come for many the cutting off of that opportunity by the by the state and Either during the time of work and having and becoming unemployed or work after, one can feel devastated through the feeling of not having and being unwanted. There must be some other way of living our life out and through other than putting something in the centre of it called work. Sometimes, perhaps not so much in the circles here, but in other circles when I have the opportunity to speak on these things, particularly political circles, there will be a very strong reaction to such uh, questioning. The mind will bring up such views as this is just an encouragement for people to, to skive and sponge and scrounge off the state. There'll be such um, views that one is just um, um, encouraging and endorsing uh, uh, a lazy culture, a lazy society that one is expecting other people to look after oneself or that one is just going to live off the inheritance of those who work so hard in one's family of a previous generation or whatever. And all, all of that reasoning and rationalisation in a way can be used to get the person to conform. to get to pull the person in to the mainstream of thinking which says producing and consuming is the reason for existence. So I say, when a person says no to all of this, when a person says I am not working and I am not studying and is secure in themselves about that and is living a conscious life, I think that's a very potent statement to make. Sometimes we look, and we look at the relationship to activity, and we've looked carefully into work, the idea of work, what is work. And we have dissolved it as having any meaning for us. We can say, as I can say of myself, I have not worked for more than 20 years. I am not working now, and I have absolutely no intention of starting work. I have no interest in a life of work, and that the whole package of association... With that is that if I start work, if I was to begin such a food-hardy activity, then I will need, through the association with work, respite from work. I'll need to escape from it. I'll need to have a break from it. I'll, I'll need holidays for myself where I can escape all my work responsibilities and to recover from work and get over from work work means of course being with you a lot. So if I have the idea this is work, then I will need to escape, to get away, whatever. I'll need to come in and do a, a nine to five job. I'll need my three, four, five, six weeks summer holiday because it tends to go with the idea of work 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 and work but supposing I've seen through the social mythology of work I think one of the things which we do not appreciate with ourselves and with each other is that language, the construction of the word, W-O-R-K, that it has a, easily a, as a, a potency to it, which overshadows another four-lettered word, love. And I think when that work becomes such a predominant factor in it, we can't see the non-work in our life. We can't feel the state of living and not working. We keep associating... Events, with work we keep reinforcing it in our communications with each other and we build up a story around work as though work existed as though work was something real something true something which had its own truth to it and we've made a construction called work And we live in the midst of it, or we live out of it, or we live in fear of it. Oh God, another day's work. So this construction has been pulled together collectively, made something of, given substance to, which we form a relationship to. Can we live without this construction? Can we live a life in which there is no work and no interest in it? That it's simply not a concern. It's of no importance, it's of no existence, it's nothing. Where is this work? Where, right now, where is this? Where is this? Where is the worker? What? What shows it? Words coming out of the mouth? Sitting cross-armed, cross-legged? Where Where? is the form? Where is the work? Can't find it. So if this construction is worth dissolving then when we are speaking of freedom in life and liberation in life, well actually it's liberation from work. This is a great liberation. In which there aren't the boundaries set through the construction. Remember, after returning from the East, I came back to uh, uh, England. And uh, to, some, to some degree, uh, we were having some discussion in the, the, the kitchen, uh, kind of the general sense when one travels a little bit, that people in continental uh, U- Europe, especially the northern countries of continental Europe, as well as, of course, the North Americans and Japanese and so forth, do, it would appear, seem to work considerably harder than people in this country. And there is a constant stream of complaint pouring out of the the mouths of our politicians that the workers don't work enough, they don't work hard enough. And some of us tend to feel that this is a tremendous compliment to them <laughs> and something which should be appreciated, that the, that the workers are still willing to have an hour or two for lunch. And as those of you know who visit this country, trying to get hold or in touch with anybody between 12 and 2 o'clock in Britain during office hours is virtually impossible. You're more likely to get the answering machine There, They don't say, we're skiving off (coughs) to the pub for lunch, but if they were honest, they probably would. And one goes to Europe, and one feels... Continental Europe, we're trying to be European these days in this country. (laughs) And one goes to Continental Europe, who has become the the model of success for our uh, delightful system. And one finds that people do work hard and one feels terribly concerned that things run punctually in Europe. The planes do seem to leave on time, the trains arrive punctually, and there's a certain kind of order there, and one yearns for India. (laughs) (laughs) And I think sometimes we've become... So preoccupied with work, therefore time, therefore punctuality, therefore precision, that we become, have become our minds have become bound to it. And we can't feel the gratitude and the appreciation for when things don't work well. I'm not talking about life situations, of course, technology is invaluable for that. I'm talking about situations when, as regularly happens here, the train fails to turn up. Those situations. And why why should it have to keep turning up punctually? (laughs) (laughs) And I think when this system is not working very well, that whoever's supposed to be in charge and engineering it can't get it together. I think that is an opportunity for immense gratitude, a spiritual gratitude in which life defies organisation. And in our perverted mind, and with our excess of value, we are now trying to defy life through organisation, through work. And it corrupts. The spirit of life, it it, it corrupts the nature of things. So each time things are not working very well, providing there's no risk to human life, of course. When things are not working very well. And we are put in a spot of real, genuine inconvenience, which will happen particularly in this country and some others as well, of course. It's I think a reminder to us of something far more important than order, structure, work and discipline. If there's to be any genuine emancipation genuine liberation movement from the concept and the idea of work then we're going to need to see what the way that that relates to other areas of our life and that that divided attention that means Focusing on work to the exclusion of, the separation of. Has to go. If the work idea goes, the divided attention which focuses on work to the exclusion, that is a divide, goes with it. What would it be to live life without work? really sense and appreciate that <coughs> to really feel that and be grateful for that one day to the next one of the features I think of persons who have liberated themselves from work without privileges remember, no, without inheritances and without lots of um, other things Like that. Those who have freed themselves from all of that, it's a life which is without division. And therefore, there's the appropriateness of the activities, there's the participation in them, there's the commitment in them. But there's no sense of having to all the resistances which is so exhausting and draining and sickening for a human being in terms of work. None of that's there because that goes with work. I think we have a wonderful opportunity and certain privileges to really discover an emancipation Which is free, no matter how much the conventions, what they keep telling us. And I think it allows an opportunity for a, and does allow an opportunity for a relationship to life. Which is unusually caring. Because there's no pressure in it. There's no stress, there's no divided perception in it. And that's the, the time thing. Going to work on a Monday morning. What what, what is a Monday? Has anybody found Monday? and coming home on a Friday. (laughs) (laughs) What does it mean? Where is it? Somewhere I must have missed it, en route. (laughs) And one sees the emptiness of it, the the utter self-deception In which there is no Monday anywhere to be found in existence. No Friday to be found. And there's no interest to perpetuate such a lie. And therefore one just speaks of the Monday, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And inside one knows it's just entertainment. So let's say we can liberate ourselves from all of this. And, as with any investigation and inquiry, are we willing to take the risk? May all beings see into life. May all beings see into into the appearance of things. May all beings touch upon the true nature of things. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes together, shall we please?